Welcome to episode two of the Board Game Workshop. I'm your host, Chris. Uh, we got a long interview this episode, so let's get to the news quickly. So, for game contests, right now, the Game Crafter has three contests they're running. Uh, the Trick Taker Challenge ends on March 6th, so you have a couple weeks to get something in for that. The Big Box Challenge ends June 5th, and the Game Hole Dungeon Crawler Challenge ends August 15th. So you can go over to thegamecrafter.com and search for their contests to read up on those. They're interesting things to enter, give you some direction and design. Also, Buttonshy Games is doing their wallet game contest again. That can be found at buttonshygames.com, and that's due April 23rd. Um, I entered that last year, and though I didn't end up winning that contest, one of my games did get turned into a nano game, and that was released. So you can check out Invino Morte on Board Game Geek. Find out more about that. Um, Total Con is coming up. It's one of my local cons in Massachusetts. That's February 23rd to 26th at the Best Western Royal Plaza in Marlboro, Massachusetts. I will probably be there on Friday and Saturday if anyone's interested in getting together for a game or playing some prototypes. Uh, and further out, the Granite Game Summit in Nashua, New Hampshire at the Courtyard Marriott. That's in April 7th to 9th. I will be there for all three days of that and should have a designer table. So if you want to come check that out if you're in the area. Okay, that's all I have for news. So we have an interview with Warren Lowen and his game Kaiju Conquest. So let's get right to that. So I'm here with Warren Lowen and we're going to talk about his game Kaiju Conquest. So Warren, how'd you get into board games and what made you start designing? My interest in board games started when I was 12 years old. Uh, mainly started when I saw Star Wars for the first time. Uh, well, for me, it changed my outlook on life. Uh, everything I wanted to know about it there, it was hard to, to find info, so it took years. But during that time, I got involved in a lot of other board games. So my first real interests were um, with text encounter war games like Starship Troopers and Squad Leader. And eventually those graduated on to, obviously, a lot of other advanced board games and whatnot, <laughs> considering some people might think these are advanced board games. But uh, for me, I needed something more challenging. So over time, I started, uh, over the last 40 years, you know, I bought various types of board games, miniature games, RPGs, you name it, I probably bought it. And um, started, it wasn't until about, when I was about 20, I started designing my own game. Uh, with using with a friend of mine designing vehicles, spaceships for action style counter com, uh, style combat. Uh, expanded that into a sci-fi RPG in that same Kaiju Conquest universe, but at the time it wasn't called Kaiju Conquest; it was a different title. Um, and then 16 years ago, I tried designing, or I did design a strategic sci-fi galactic scale board game uh, in the same universe again, uh, using eight major racers, eight uh, eight major races, yeah, and uh, I did try to go to a publishing company locally here to see what it would cost me for me to get it done. And it was at that time I couldn't do it. And um, so I put that on hold. So since then, uh, it's um, in the last 2014 is when I got started on this one. Oh, cool. So you definitely have a long experience in games, huh? Yes. <laughs> yeah. It kind of helps. You don't necessarily have to have all that experience with board games, but it does help because you've got all that different... Um, well, you got that experience and knowledge from all the different types of games and what you can do to try and make something different and more original, possibly. 
All right. Yeah, 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 you can use ideas from other games, but you try not to obviously copy someone else's idea. Yeah, it's good to get ideas and good to know what not to do also. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you kind of went over it, but what, what was the reason for this game in particular? What was the idea that started it? Uh, Pacific Rim. Back in 2013 when that movie came out, yeah, um, yeah. I, I, was, I loved that movie. And since then, I've been, I wanted someone to create. Usually some, somebody's always creating these games based on movies or whatever. I was hoping someone would have created a strategy board game based on that. But all they came up with was a uh, Heroclix-style miniature game and, and a simple little card game. It wasn't what I was looking for, even though I do have those games, just to see what they were like. Uh, yeah. So I decided to design my own concept in January of 2014. I tried to contact Warner Brothers to see if they could support me and all that stuff and help me publish the game. But uh, I didn't get any response for them. And during that time, I decided I did a little bit more research on all that. So I decided to actually create my own game and save myself a lot of money and effort over uh, you know, just trying to go through a publisher like that. Oh, definitely. Let's get into the game. You want to just describe it quickly for the audience? How it plays, rules? Well, I don't know if I can describe it quickly, but it's a, it is a two to four player sci-fi strategy game of alien invasion and uh, with giant mecha and monsters. And it can be played between 90 to 180 minutes. Uh, just to give a bit of background on it, because there's, uh, it has it has a thematic feel to it. I try to make it an epic scale kind of thing based on what I've done in the last 40 years of this game. So it takes place in 2116. Uh, nations of Earth are recovering from the latest World War 30 years previously. And a, a new threat arrives in the form of a highly intelligent alien race there called uh, the Cesarans. They take over Mars to set up these teleportation platforms and are using Earth as a test subject for their experiments on short-range teleportation using giant creatures known as the kaiju for frontline assault, and they're supported by swarms of land, air, and sea military forces. So during the first attack, the Cesarean forces were engaged by another species called the Jirelli, who observed their activities, and they tried to, uh, they sent a special mech force to stop them. They failed, and in doing so, one of their leaders, known as the Battlemaster, goes through the first portal, uh, which, I don't know if you can see it behind me here, there's an image here on my left here, that's basically part of what that is. That was the first image created for it there. Them going through the portal. And uh, he, the, the Battlemaster defeats the Thunder Dragon, gets dis gets damaged itself, gets rescued by the naval forces of Earth. And he, he makes uh, arrangements there with the humans to uh, build Mecha to help support the, the, the United Nations Reaction Forces, the humans call themselves, to fight against the, uh, the giant Kaiju. Uh, so the, uh, the board itself, the game board has, so it takes place around the Pacific Ocean. You got 16 major cities that are along the coastlines of both sides. They're beautifully illustrated cities there that the art, my artist Becca TR has done for it. Uh, so it covers obviously only that part of the map. No, I was going to do the whole world at first, but I thought the further out I go to do the whole world, the less detail goes into the game as it were it's a lot simpler than some people yeah. like that way but i'm trying to make a nice a decent war game with a lot of uh variation and strategy to it so i just stuck with the pacific ocean side of it and kind of going that same concept as what pacific rim did just that area to start yeah. with uh, so there is a training manual it has basic and advanced rules for it and in the basic game, the objective is for the Cesarean forces to control and or destroy at least 12 city and land zones, as well as have at least two bases in play. And you have to do that before the end of turn six. The humans just have to prevent them from doing it to win. And in the advanced version, it's based on victory points. So whoever has 
Uh, each uh, turn, you calculate who has control of cities, land zones, bases in play, uh, and enemy, uh, how many enemy forces are destroyed. And they have certain victory points for each of them. And I also have optional rules for other victory conditions you can play on, and, and using nukes, biobombs, command cards, and, uh, and that's the, the, the rule books itself. Uh, for the game components, I don't know if uh, for that one there, there because uh, some people might be interested in this, is it does have eight types of mecha and eight types of kaiju. And there's 20 cards of each, so there are doubles and triples of some of them. Um, <clears throat> once uh, They are double-sided cards, so one side is for the basic game and the other side is for the advanced game where there's some more extra abilities for those mecha and kaiju. So there's also the 16 target city cards, which the, the uh, Cesaran player draws to determine what cities they go to so it's not they don't get to choose it's randomly drawn just to be fair for the human side so that they have to go to those cities through the portals to to uh, assault and spread out from there each game turn uh, so there's resource cards that they draw each turn to determine how many units they get to, to keep coming in think of it as like high command saying this is all that's available to you so this is all you can play play for that turn uh, yeah. there's command tokens to benefit them in combat Bases, obviously, for both sides to help uh, repair their forces and that, and defend their, their zones. Uh, damage tokens, when the city's bases, mech and kaiju get damaged. Destroyed city tokens for the cities. And, of course, there's dice. that I use a 10-sided die system for this game. So, um, actually, one thing I thought was interesting in your rules. You want to go over the combat system? Yes, in the combat system, um, actually, I just, and I just modified it there in the last few weeks here since the last game we played there at the convention. And the way it works is in the basic game, it's simultaneous combat. There's a, what's called a battle board. And every time uh, opposing forces meet in the same zone, they have to do battle. And only one side or the other is, has to be remaining in that zone. So they get placed on the battle board. And on the battle board, on each side, for the human side, the Cesarean side, are similar icons of those units. So you just place them on that row uh, in, in line with those, those uh, icons. And uh, usually, you know, say, for example, a human side of a mecha, the mecha the, uh, image on top, and you got Air Force and an Army and a Navy and, and other forces below that. So you place them in each of those rows, same with the Cesarean, and the Cesarean player always moves first and attacks first, just to make it easier for, for who goes. And so what happens is, is the Cesarean player will choose which of his units will attack which of the opposing player's units. And they roll the dice. They, there's a, a defense value of the enemy forces. So they have to roll that number higher to succeed. Every, every time they get a hit, that military unit is destroyed. Uh, there is one military unit that takes two hits. So if you roll a 10, a natural 10, it does two hits and that can destroy that unit. Uh, if you roll a natural 1, it actually damages the city instead. And every time you do that, the city takes a point of damage. And that's how the cities can get destroyed by collateral damage. Um, for the mecha and kaiju and bases, they have multiple hits. So anytime you, once again, every time you roll equal to or higher, you just do one point to them. But every time you roll a natural 10, they take two points of damage. So once they reach their, their maximum uh, hit point limit, then they are destroyed. Uh, and then once, the way each at the end of each turn, uh, you determine uh, the Cesarean player gets to choose first if they want to withdraw from battle or not. If they don't, they want to fight. The humans decide if they want to withdraw. If they don't, then they continue fighting for the next round to see who's left. And they just keep doing it like that until one side or the other remains in that zone, one way or the other. And you just keep doing that for each zone. And then basically that would be the end of the battle phase of that game turn. And it goes on to the next phase. And I have to say, the art for this looks really great. And the layout for your rulebook is all top notch. Uh, thanks. Yeah, the rulebook is not quite complete yet. But yeah, that was... 
I wanted to, uh, well, I wanted to get that version out just so you could see it too for yourself. But for the general public, they're like, you know, I don't know if people are printing this up for their own print and play purposes, but at least it's out there for them to see it and see what, what, I, what I've got so far for it. So, um, all right, let's move on to what, what are your concerns for this? Like, there's a reason it's not completely done yet. So what, what do you think it needs? Well, I have to, like I said, the rulebook is the one thing. I still got some things to adjust on that. And, and that, that has to go hand in hand with not necessarily the rules itself, but the graphics. Um, some of the imagery, I've, I've got to change some things I've got to add because I'm determining, because I've got, um, I do have 3D minis printed for these that will be in, given to the manufacturer as stretch goals if, if that gets that far. And so I'm wondering, I'm looking at including an image of those to put in beside the actual image of the tokens to show that you can, you have both of those types to play in the game. If you want to just play tokens, you got those. Otherwise, you can use the miniatures, right? Yeah. So I'm looking at including those in the rule book. Um, <clears throat> aside from that, it's uh, it's play testing. There is a lot of... Um, uh, I've mostly been just going to, to conventions locally here or game stores. Yeah. And there are some, it's hit and miss. Some game stores, you get a lot of people responses to it, and others you don't. Same with the conventions. I've uh, I've had some hit and misses with that. It is hard because the first time you play this game, it takes three hours to go through it. To explain it and play it out, it takes about three hours. After the first turn, pretty well, people pretty well understand how it works. It's just the strategizing after that. And for some people, it's a little more difficult to understand than others because it is a war game overall. Yeah. And... Um, so it plays a little bit more advanced than, like, say, Access and Allies, if whoever is familiar with that. So that that's one of the other things just for playtesters is getting people to actually be able to sit through that for three hours the first time to play it all out from start to finish. And some people have been able to do it. Uh, the problem with conventions is that usually they only give you a two-hour window to play each game session, whether you got a playtester's play alley or prototype alley, as they call it, or if you just yeah. bring it there to play because there's a table available. Uh, some of these only have windows there because there's only so much table space. Uh, so other than that, uh, it has been the the response from that has been f favorable. There have I think I've had over 30 some people playing 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 it now. Yeah, and That's good. there's only um, a few who there's even one guy who played it. He liked it, but he says it's not his type of game. So when I get people like that saying that, then at least there's something going for it. Um, yeah, and but most of the people do like the way it plays out yes it, it takes a lot of strategizing and they understand that too and they i've had the last play test session i had three people in there and they actually gave me a lot of good points and that's what changed my base my rules mechanics from what uh, combat mechanics from what i had before because it was a little bit more not more difficult but there was more record keeping for damage and we we managed to come up with something better to keep it simple just like as i explained earlier i mean streamlining is always better i think so for um for playtesting, have you thought of doing like a shorter demo game just to give people kind of a taste for it and work through the mechanics? I have sorry, I have thought about that. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's where I'm going to go next is just to show, just to have um like just show them okay, let's just go right to the battle board and do the the combat mechanic because that's the biggest thing of it is if they can yeah. understand the combat mechanics, everything else is just strategizing and moving the pieces and all that. Um, so I might have I might have uh like short scenarios as another option for that say this is a scenario this is what you got to do and then they just build on that um so they already have something i might already have the board set up for them and all they have to do is just play it out yeah i think that could also translate into um in the rules to have a shorter demo thing as a way to learn 
I know a couple of games do that as like a, a very truncated game just to get the mechanisms in. So your real game that's going to take a couple hours, you already have an idea of what's going on. So I think something like that could could help it along. Yeah, someone else did bring that up too a while ago there. And um, I've <laughs> been thinking that's still in the process. That's also why the rule book is not quite complete yet because there's always something more to add to that. Granted, it makes the rule book longer, but like you said, by putting something like in there for a demo or a, a quick explanation of how to play through all those phases, yeah. You're also saying you had um, concerns about doing a Kickstarter. Want to talk about that? Yes. The uh, <clears throat> the biggest thing with me right now on that one is the video. Because uh, on the Kickstarter pages, usually they say you don't have to do a video, but a video helps to, for people to see what the game is like or you know to see the person behind it and what they have to say about it. So I've I did create one for it and it's not that great. It's kind of corny. So I'm trying to I'm looking I've I've looked at various different Kickstarter videos to see what ideas I can use. So I it's basically going to come down to doing something pretty simple for this game. Although I'd love to use flash animation and all that kind of stuff, I'm not that greatly skilled at it. So I might just go with something simple and just have me explaining uh, the game, having having uh, images or videos of uh, of when other people have played it, and just show that in the, as the as part of that video. Yeah, I mean, in my experience, uh, being honest is the best thing gets across to people it doesn't have to be great quality people seem to like if you feel like you're really interested in your own game like have the excitement and then also keep it short like more than three minutes and people start to drift so you really want like push your your big selling points out get some good images up there and that's all you really need in the video just trying to get their attention and then later on in the kickstarter page go into detail you can have them see the print and play have the rules download anything like that. I mean, it's really about that first punch of an image to get people interested. Yeah, and what I'll probably do too is when I um, when I get a video done again there, I'm going to uh, throw it out to my friend's family or what have you, anyone who wants to look at it, let me know what they think of it and what can be improved or not, you know, before I actually go to it, right? Uh, and, you know, and that's the other thing. The other, the other thing with that is the stretch goals. Um, I do have stretch goals for the minis I want to include in this, for the bases and the, the cities and the portals and whatnot. But um, it's just a matter of uh, it comes down to uh, laying it out on the Kickstarter page. You know, I've looked at a lot of examples again there, and some people have some pretty good graphics in there and, and all that. Uh, another, the other thing is just trying to figure out the actual cost behind all that for each level and everything else and, and how to make that work. I've got a general idea right now how it's going to work, but probably going to have to modify that by that time. Yeah, I mean, you definitely want to get your costs set in stone before you hit launch. I know a lot of people end up losing money on um, the shipping because they didn't factor in how complicated international shipping can be. Yeah, yeah, I've seen a lot of that. And that's that's one reason why, like, this game has been uh, going on for almost three years now since I started it. But I wanted to, I had to keep delaying it because I wanted to get a more complete game before it goes to Kickstarter so that by time, if it does succeed, or when it does succeed, the... Um, I don't have to do anything more with it. I can just go right to the manufacturer and I can start working on it rather than spending another few months adding all these other little things here that weren't done yet. You know, the art or graphics or rules or whatever. Well, I mean, Kickstarter has changed over the last couple of years. Nowadays, people really expect a finished game when you launch. They want to see the art. They want to see everything perfect, you know? It's, it's tough. Yeah. That sounds great. So, uh, obviously, your future plans are to go to Kickstarter with this. Yeah. I assume after that you would go for retail distribution if you get funded and get enough to do a, a big print run. Yeah, the um, so after it goes through the uh, obviously it's going to go through a manufacturer in China, 
because I did go through, uh, I, I did look at four or five of them there, and, and there, I got found the best one in China there, of course. And um, so I, other than them, there might be uh, distributors like through Amazon and locally, hopefully a retail store if, uh, if they'll take it. And uh, if not, I'll be selling them individually, I guess, as, as a, a conventions, what have you, whatever it yep. takes, right? And that's the other thing, too, is because for some of these uh, manufacturers, you have to have a minimum uh, a minimum amount of units that they will only work with, right? So usually a 1,000 yeah. is the average. So you got to think about that. If I'm going to do a 1,000 print run, then, you know, I'm hoping I can at least sell 50% of them, at least right off on Kickstarter and the other half of lot more, yeah. you know, uh, store somewhere. Uh, usually, they, you know, they've got all those storage facilities now. There's a lot of things you can work out with a manufacturer, too, for storage here, apparently. But uh, aside from that, um, yeah, it's just, it's just uh, once it, even when it succeeds, I still plan to do conventions with it there, obviously advertise it some more. Um, and I'm, uh, and then just keep trying to keep going from there. If it doesn't succeed at first, then obviously I'll get input from the fan base, what I can do to improve it. And it could take a few months, it could take a year, depending on the, on how much has to be changed, and then go from there. So, um, one thing I wanted to bring up with uh, with the Kickstarter, this is a big game. Like, you have a lot of pieces. Any any thought of trying to cut it down? Like, maybe cut the cards in half, do a little more streamlining, cut down manufacturing costs? Or do you feel this is the size it needs to be? This is pretty well the final size. I've already cut down the cards by half from what I originally yeah. had. And the tokens were actually all cut down by half already. Because, um, like, in this game, like, you've probably seen, I don't know if you looked at all of the tokens there for it, but there's, yep, basically, yep. for each of the military forces, there's 12 units of 12 tokens of each. And so there's roughly, for each army side, there's about uh, 70 to 70, about 80-some pieces on each side. Um, and then, of course, there's the mech and kaiju. There's 20, 20 uh, stand-up tokens for each of those on each side. So it's, say, about just over 100 and some pieces for each side there, uh, which isn't bad because other games have got, like, granted, they're, they're usually plastic figurines like Risk and all that. They've got hundreds of pieces in there. Granted, they, they're a more successful company. So I'm an indie guy trying to start out with something big. And, um, I, I, you know, I've looked at the thing where they say, you know, start with something small, work your way up. But I tried to, and I couldn't because... I'm so much into the war games and everything else. This is all I could think of at the time to try to get out there, especially with, with the Pacific Rim kind of concept. So I stuck yeah. with it. And uh, yeah, like this is this is basically it. What you saw in the thing is pretty well it. Uh, if I cut it down any more, anything I take out would have to be used as a stretch goal. There's that option. Yeah. But either way, it would still, in the end result, even as a stretch goal, if people buy into it, then obviously that's going to be part of it anyways. So I decided to keep those pieces with that as, as part of the, 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 the final product. You said you um, you had some minis that you would be thinking of as stretch goals. Would that be a couple hundred minis in place of all these tokens? Um, no. The the miniatures, like, uh, there's only going to be eight destroyed city to uh, miniatures, three portal miniatures, uh, eight base miniatures, and uh and that's it for now yeah so basically that's a little more reasonable yeah yeah and then as um as expansions if the, when the game succeeds as expansions i'll look into uh getting miniatures done for the mecha and uh, kaiju on the one hand you want to keep it small keep it simple but on the other hand kingdom death monster is over seven million dollars right now with a lot of really nice miniatures <laughs> so, so sometimes just having really cool miniatures can give you that boost and I mean, Kaiju and Mecha—that's that's definitely something that could be a selling point if you got pretty nice miniatures done. Although, 
really difficult for your first game and stuff, so... Well, it's, yeah, it's some people, I don't know, and I look on the internet and the, and the Kickstarters that some people are somehow have the funding to do it. Others don't. Like myself, I had I had a bit of funding. I exceeded that now, so I'm using, you know, funds over and above normal here. But the to, to get one design, 3D model design done for one of these Mecha Kaiju cost me almost an average $300. So to do 16 of them. That's definitely up there. Yeah, so... There is one guy who is working on two of them right now, the the two main leaders of each side, and uh, I don't think they'll be ready before um, uh, before I do the Kickstarter. If they are great, then they'll do part of it as stretch goals. I'd like them to be, but if not, then I'll just wait it out and see what happens with the game, anyways, and see what what kind of response I get from that. Uh, I did do I did do a, a video, uh, not a video necessarily, but. Um, a fundraiser for to try to get money for the, my prototypes for that matter if not getting more uh, money for the minis but i only had enough to create one prototype out of it and that yeah. was it so and a prototype for me to make cost me almost 250 dollars with shipping that's that's quite a lot of prototype yeah so just for the box of that size that and i've made the box big enough so that when i do miniatures do come out you can fit everything in there reasonably because some games you get uh once you take it all apart and everything else now you're trying to figure out where to store it all in that box yeah. And this one's big enough to actually fit all of them if I had actual minis done for all of them there. So that's the idea is to have it already the right, right size when I do do expansions for it. Well, it sounds very exciting. Definitely wish you luck with that. And when you do get the Kickstarter up or any future news, let us know and I'll post something on the website, assuming that this podcast is still alive. And um, so we're almost out of time. So just anything else you want to uh, promote? Any cons you're going to, or demos, or anything? Um, not right now. Uh, there will be. I will be demoing the game again at, at some stores, local stores locally here in the next month or so. Uh, at uh, Gamers Lodge and possibly uh, Avalon Knights there in Edmonton. Uh, I've also been uh, playtesting uh, a new card game I created, which takes place in the same universe, and uh, that's been played several times so far, and people are liking that one. It's very simple to play, easy to play, and like within 20 to 40 minutes, depending on how many players and that. And you can cool. play up to eight players, so it's it's uh, even though it sounds like that could be a big game, it's actually not. And once again, there is a bit of strategizing, but it's a lot simpler game to play. But yeah, so that one I'm working on. So even if this one here I have to delay because it wasn't successful the first time, I've got that card game as a backup uh, to, yeah. to uh, throw in there if I need to. But yeah, that's the only other thing I'm working on right now uh, in uh, thing here. If people want to contact me for anything about the game, if you can uh, you can see details on the game at Tabletop Generation, just search up Kaiju Conquest, and uh, there's a link in there to that connects to Dropbox and it shows all the files for the game as a print and play. If you want to look at that at least or print it up to play it, uh, you can also contact me at Twitter at, at ATC underscore games, or I have the ATC Games Facebook page which is at ADV to contact games or just search Kaiju Conquest and you'll find it anywhere on the internet now. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for talking with us. I wish you luck with all of your future endeavors and hopefully we hear good news in the future. Great. Thanks, Chris. Well, that does it for episode two of the Board Game Workshop. Thank you for listening. Tune in next month when I have an interview with Chip Bouvet, designer of Chroma Cubes, Smoke and Mirrors, and upcoming Universal Rule. If you'd like to send us any questions or comments, you can email the show at theboardgameworkshop at gmail.com. You can find us on the web at theboardgameworkshop.com, on Twitter at the BG Workshop. 
You can find me on Twitter at BlueQBGS. If you're a designer and would like to be interviewed for a future episode, let me know. The podcast is now on iTunes and Stitcher and SoundCloud, so you can check us out on all of those. Give us reviews, comments, stars, whatever whatever they do, and tell your friends about the podcast. Thank you very much. <laughs>